Good late evening, Roxy Soxy. <laughs> Good late evening to you too, Tam Tam. I don't think you have your bra on. I think we're both braless right now. That. This is a sight to behold. <laughs> that is very true, Tam Tam. We're in our skivvies and it is late <laughs> at night. <laughs> you sound like an old lady. You just said you sound like an old lady. You're just like a skivvies, <laughs> a little skivvies. Who says skivvies? See the forty plus crowd. <laughs> Is that skivvies or like your 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 sleepwear? I Is think that right? so. I think skivvies. I think it's technically actually your underwear, which strangely enough, I'm not even wearing any. <laughs> show us you show it to us roxy wait so your underwear is your skivvies but that seems like a very commonwealth like english term doesn't it is that <laughs> is it is it american i think it i want to say it might be a little southern there's like a little southern gotcha. in there yeah <laughs> your skivvies your skivvies <laughs> wow this is i learned something new tonight at 10 30 p.m just you and I. I mean, shooting it. That just, is uh, shooting the SHI. <laughs> you know what? Uh, talking about all the things that you talk about when you're delirious. <laughs> that is what I'm here for. Here for girl. God, I can't talk either. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I know it's too late. And we're going to talk about your little because you you apparently have a story for me, and um, we're going to talk about that now, and then also let our listeners know that we have been in Los Angeles for the last week racking up some incredible guests we have been in studio we have been live uh recording we have videos we have youtube that's about to come but uh, it was about to be up and running um so as of now because we're spending so much time editing everything <laughs> we are going to re-release one of our episodes that was one of our highest rated mm -hmm. and one of our most talked about alicia vd from Woman Code talking about hormones and the best orgasm of your life and uh, fasting mm. and uh, cycle syncing and all those things. So um, that is the episode that we're going to release after this little chit chat. But first, <laughs> we need to hear about your experience <laughs> oh. at Disneyland. <laughs> I'm going to Disneyland. Okay, so basically what happened was... We had this like marathon, amazing work week. And um, like Tamman was saying, we were recording so much amazing content for you guys. And um, then my parents, my parents, my sister and my niece came to visit. So we thought we would take the kids to Disneyland on on that Friday uh, during the day. So all's well. We go to Disney. It, I think it actually worked out well because kids had already been back in school, except, of course, our kids who start school later than everybody else in the world. It seems no, like your kids, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else's kids, just yours start after Labor Day in California. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, when is it happening? Um, so we get there, you know, we're going on the rides and everything and we're having a great day and we really make a day of it. Right. We're like, we're going to stay to the night and like do some night riding. And like, since it's like a weekend and you know, we can sleep in tomorrow. We're really going to do this. So we did it and then we were leaving. So we basically shut the park down. Right. It's like midnight. We go. Just you. They're like, last call. Roxy and her family get the F out of the park. Yes. They're like, 
They're making statements over the intercom. They're like, please, with Roxy Manning and her family <laughs> leave the park. You're like, what for Roxy in the park arena? I'm like, last call already? What, what bar am I at? <laughs> <laughs> so we get back to the car. And it's like, you know, like most people have left by now. And there are just a few cars parked in the lot. We get in the car and we're all buckled in. And I start the car and it's like, it cuts, it cuts on, but it's like, it's making this really weird, almost like pained motor sound. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And I see this light that comes on that says low fuel. I'm like, oh, how did you not notice that on the way in? <laughs> because I think I was expecting David to you're fill the so gas. Ex- oh, you're expecting David. I know. I hate filling my gas. Right. It's honestly my biggest pet peeve. Don't it's like agree? I can't. I can't deal with it. Can't do it. And it was his car that I was driving, so I assumed that he filled it up. You know. So I'm like, okay. So we get there, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, this is not good. So then I keep we're trying it over and over again, and my sister sees like the security guy, so she like flags him down and he comes over he tries to jump the car he's like looking at it and he's like i really think you might be out of gas and i'm like oh god no no not and david that. wasn't with you right no. so you couldn't blame him yeah he wasn't with us yeah. he was actually back home my dad stayed back home with him here so the two guys were here and all the gals were with me including my mom and so we're all just sitting there <laughs> like oh my god so i call triple a Long story short, triple A finally came at like 2.30 in the morning. We were oh in that car goodness. for two and a half hours. In oh the my goodness. Lot. Yes. Waiting for like something. They brought some gas. I got like a little bit of gas to just make it to the next like gas station. Stopped. Had to fill up. We finally got home at like three something in the morning, Tamman. Oh we my gosh. So- Moral of the story is fill up your effing <laughs> gas <laughs> tank, girls. Yes. Oh my God, Tamman. I was like, and we had been at Disneyland since like 8 a.m. the day before, no. you know, that day. We were so tired. We all just like fell into bed. We just like dropped trowel wherever we were, <laughs> bags on the floor. You dropped your skivvies. <laughs> you dropped your skivvies wherever you were. Skivvies just dropped and I- <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> I fell into bed and, you know, just. No wonder you weren't texting me back. I was like, would she just text me back? And you're like, bitch, I am stuck in a parking lot uh, with no gas. Yes. Oh, my God. So stuck with no gas. I was like, holy shizballs. Like, somebody help me. I was like, oh, my God. So it's a lesson. It's the universe telling you to get your shit together. It's true. And I'm usually like pretty good at at least like glancing down at fuel gauge. But (laughs) (laughs) did you blame David the whole time? Of course, because I was like, this is your car. I bet you were raging. I bet you were (laughs) like, how could you do this to me? (laughs) I can't believe it. I can just I can hear I can hear the rage text you can hear in my it, head. Can't you? And I like, yeah. it was so bad. I like called him. He was, he was like, he could tell I was like so pissed. And he was like kind of scrambling here. He was trying to like remotely start right. the car from his like right. up here. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. But yeah, that was like Disneyland adventure story. I'm like, oh my God. Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but also thank you for the laugh. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> And you know what? Maybe it's a good segue to say, what were you, where were you in your cycle when this happened? Girl, right before my period. 
which is yes so, makes everything so much worse and is not when you should be socializing no. or going to disneyland or i mean walking's fine but you should be like you know sitting and being zen getting your journal notebook out your positive affirmations and you were pulling ass in disneyland sweating balls <laughs> Sweat and balls. I was like, oh, balls. oh my God. Not Sweat having enough gas. Your hormonal balls <laughs> I, in Disneyland. I literally got my period. Okay, wait, that was Friday. Got it. What would they say? Monday. I got it Saturday night. So it was literally right before it was about to start. Oh, I can't stand that. I got my I got my period right after my birthday, actually. Oh, and I, I had like a whole mini, you know, midlife crisis breakdown um, the day before my birthday. And then I got my period the day after. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I wasn't having a midlife crisis. I was just getting my period. I mean, um, it all comes yeah. clear, doesn't it? I know. And that's why this next, I mean, we have had so many people talk about this episode over the last few years. And it is one that I I recommend to anyone who is struggling with any hormone imbalance or just wants to know more about their body or cycle syncing and you know, I think before this podcast, you didn't know much about cycle syncing nope. and like living your life in accordance to your cycle and how there are different phases and how each phase phase determines how you feel and how you think and how you mother and so many different um, so many different feelings you have throughout the month. And yeah, I just listening to Alicia Vitti talk, it all made sense. And I hope that this episode will help other people who are struggling with hormonal imbalance or just want to know more, you know? So without further ado, who do we have, oh. Roxy? So we are so excited to have this amazing expert on. As you said, she knows many, many things about hormones. She talks about cycle syncing, the best time to have sex, how to make sex, sex even more amazing in your life through, mm. you know, cycle syncing and knowing all, all about your hormones and your reproductive health. And she just, she literally gave us so much knowledge and she's got an amazing, she's got amazing books, her website, you'll learn so much from. So without mm. further ado, let's welcome Alicia Vitti. <laughs> it's great to be back. It's great to be here. It's great to see you guys again. Yay. So I, recently, I recently spoke to someone. I was getting my hair done for the first time in since the quarantine began. And Wait, I, spoke I have to cut my hair twice. Oh, myself. you did it yourself. It looks great. I mean, I'm and not just it's myself okay. with my daughter's kids safe Crayola scissors. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Maybe that's the secret. I, I feel like I've never gotten a better haircut. I'm, I may not go back. <laughs> so yeah, whole... I love it. So, uh, so back to like getting my hair done. Your head looks amazing. I was getting my hair done. I'm not sure mine looks amazing, but I did it. And I spoke to someone we were talking about, cause you know, you're getting your hair done for like hours and I was shooting the shit about hormones and how they truly rule your lives. Everything from sleep to mood, to sex drive, to weight control, to creativity. And she was completely shocked. It was like, I literally was talking in another language. She was like, what do you mean hormones control your life? Like I had no idea. It's hormones are so rarely spoken about. I feel other than in regards to maybe PMS and maybe menopause and then maybe getting pregnant, but they, there's so much more than just that. Correct. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, um, the, the lack of body literacy that we have as women about our biology and our hormones, it's such a problem that needs to be rectified because it's, it prevents you from being your healthiest self and it for, it makes you 
suffer unnecessarily with symptoms that you shouldn't have. I mean, keep in mind that in 2015, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists decreed that you should consider your, your cycle a fifth vital sign on par with the other four they take in the emergency room, like your temperature or your blood pressure. And you, we all know, especially in this COVID, you know, post-COVID world, mm -hmm. if you got a fever, you go, mm -hmm. get all over that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have period problems or any issues with your hormones, we just tend to kind of suffer in silence, which mm -hmm. is unacceptable and unnecessary. But yeah, I, I, I think that um, hormones are, you're right, seldom spoken of. Um, and when they are, it's often negative and mm -hmm. full of mythology and, and falsehoods. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really funny. I noticed a major shift in my hormones after I delivered my daughter and after I wrapped up breastfeeding. So basically what happened was I breastfed for a year. And then after that, it took me another full year for me to get my period back because my hormones were like, yes, they were all over the place. They were fluctuating. I mean, it took forever. So what is it about like pregnancy and nursing that causes all of these hormone fluctuations and how do we get them under control after we've delivered and nursed our babies? Such an important question. So what you're speaking about is what is now being referred to as postnatal depletion. Mm. So think about it this way. For nine months, you 3D print a human being inside your body that takes place by taking the micronutrients from the foods that you're eating, which we call macronutrients, right? Mm -hmm. Extract your body, extracts all those micronutrients and builds a whole person with mm -hmm. it, right? Then you go through the athletic, heroic, epic <laughs> experience of delivering the child, whether that's mm -hmm. vaginally or via a C-section, which is probably one of the most major surgical yes. procedures that mm -hmm. w that take place, but it's really kind of um, under-discussed mm -hmm. in how significant of a procedure that is. And then you're breastfeeding, you're mm -hmm. up all night, you're not sleeping, you're probably mm -hmm. not eating properly, you likely drop off taking your prenatals, you're trying to quote unquote, get your body back, you're maybe working out, you're trying to restrict calories a little bit to lose the baby weight. And all of a sudden, you don't feel right, right? You have signs of, mm -hmm. of this postnatal depletion that can come in the form of mood swings. It can come in the form of delayed menstruation. It can come in the form of vaginal dryness, low libido, um, stubborn weight issues. Uh, your hair can become super dry. Your skin can be completely different and dysfunctional. Um, and all of this is this unaddressed micronutrient depletion that takes place because women are not educated properly about how to care for themselves postpartum. And it has to happen in that first uh, three months after you give birth. It's mm. called the fourth trimester. What you do in that fourth mm. trimester sets you up or how you will recover for the you know for a few years after and in chinese medicine traditional chinese medicine this period of time is so important mm. that if a woman doesn't take the time to properly replenish herself they will they know she will have issues health issues hormonal issues perimenopause postmenopause she will be a, a weaker uh, more vulnerable version of herself from a health point of view so really caring for ourselves postpartum is so critical. And, and uh, a dear friend and colleague of mine, um, 
Kimberly Johnson wrote a great book called The Fourth Trimester. I wrote forward to this book. I think it is a must read and you have to read it before you give birth. It's a great thing to read in the second and third trimester so that you can really set yourself up with all the resources that you're going to need in that fourth trimester and beyond. For example, one of the things that I did and some of the things that I recommend, you want to be eating lots of cooked food. I would, yes. I did not touch mm -hmm. a juice or a raw Same. vegetable mm -hmm. or a cold fruit for three months after I gave birth. I, it, even the idea of doing it felt really like jarring to my body. Mm -hmm. Then I hired a, a, a physical therapist slash personal trainer who specialized in postpartum mm -hmm. body care rehabilitation. And I worked with her over, this is, uh, this is years ago now, but I worked with her over Skype, Zoom, you know, so that we could work out whenever it was convenient for me. And it wasn't a workout. It was physical therapy to rehabilitate my abdominal mm -hmm. muscles, your hips stretch out with all that relaxing hormone. You need PT, right? Physical therapy, not intensive exercise to quote unquote, lose the baby weight. And then of course, all the supplementation, right? And if you can dial mm -hmm. in your food your physical rehab and supplementation, you can really recover from a, uh, your pregnancies, whether you have one or multiple mm -hmm. in a much more successful way. It's interesting because I heard that, you know, with my second daughter, I did what you did and I had physical therapy and I had someone who cooked me food and my hormones were able to um, regulate a lot better. I got my period faster. I was less, I had less depression and anxiety but it's funny because my first was seven and I read a statistic that said, you know, really when postpartum depression or maybe it's postpartum depletion, when it really peaks is around four to five years after birth. And I think it's what you're saying. I think what happens is women don't take care of themselves within that first three, three months. And so what happens is it just starts to, Compound it just starts to build up. And it's like, if you don't brush your teeth after a while, the plaque starts to build up on your teeth. And it's the same thing about this depletion that happens. And and then you're having another child and there's a third child or you're going back to work. And so I found it really interesting that postpartum depression really peaks at four years, four years post-birth. I think that, again, this is why I'm on such a mission with Flow Living, my company as a femtech founder, you know, obviously I'm a science researcher first, but, you know, decided that this was such a big problem. You know, women's healthcare needs a major upgrade. And so the reason why I founded Flow Living was because I believe that women need a platform, a brand that is dedicated to educating them about what they need to know about their biology and their hormones, because we're just not getting that accurate information anywhere. We need tools to make navigating our changing hormones so much simpler. I mean, listen, I'm, this is my whole world. This is what I've been doing for 20 years. And I can appreciate that for, for most of us, it feels complicated, overwhelming. Where do I start? And it just, it's not your job to figure this out. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. it, you shouldn't be left on your own to figure it out and not, and each one of us shouldn't be having to reinvent the wheel. Every time we go through these issues, like you shouldn't have to discover, oh, I should somehow take care of myself postpartum. That should be 
universal knowledge, right? And someone should have figured that out for us and keep transmitting that knowledge in a in a very simple, straightforward way. So um, that's what Flow Living does. And we also provide those tools that make it so simple. So our supplements, our one-on-one telehealth coaching, and our digital therapeutic courses that teach you what's going on and what to do so mm-hmm. that you have a game plan that you don't have to figure out on your own to make this so much easier because we deserve that. We just mm-hmm. deserve it. It's time. It's, I don't think the, you know, with what the limitations are with conventional gynecology, they don't have much time to spend with you in the office because of all the limitations they have, you know, from insurance and all, you know, all the, the stuff that goes on and they are, they're packed in a 10 minute session with them. Can they teach you about everything you need to know about your body and what to do to take care of it until your next appointment the following year? No, but that's, you know, I think a beautiful, nice relationship that we have, you know, a lot of gynecologists will send their patients to us because they know we're kind of like the weight watchers of your hormones, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you, mm-hmm. if you need help, you don't have to like, you know, be on your own. You can come to a place uh, that's going to help you make, make dealing with this so much more simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no joke that we live in the world we live in, and there are a lot of things in the environment specifically, you know, especially in the last, you know, few decades, like just the environment in general has gotten so much worse. What are some of the biggest hormone disruptors in the environment today? I mean, where to start? It's not easy for ovaries. In everything, my, isn't it? <laughs> I have my little ovary, ovary mascot behind us um, for encouragement. <laughs> I love um, it. So listen, cool. I would say you've got to first and foremost make choices about what you're putting inside your body. So if mm. you're taking in pesticides on food, we know that those are endocrine disruptive, not to mention that they have other potential you know, health effects. Um, the The second biggest culprit is what you're putting on your skin because it's the largest organ of your body and it's the largest organ of elimination. So we've got to look at our beauty products, our body products, our laundry detergents, right? Things of that nature. Um, even if you're spending a lot of time in, in clothing, see if you can lean more towards sustainable, eco-friendly or organic fabrics, right? Because you're absorbing that stuff. Same thing for mattresses. Mm. I mean, I was a little surprised to find all that I found that are in mattresses, conventional mattresses. When I went looking years ago for my daughter's crib mattress, Mm -hmm. Um, it's really important. You're spending Mm -hmm. eight hours, at least a night um, on this mattress and uh, you are absorbing all the stuff that is outgassing through the skin. And so you really want to, you know, again, what's in your body, what you put in, you can control that and you can control the choices that you're making about what you're putting on your body. Mm -hmm. If you just focus on those two things, things that you have agency over as opposed to all the stuff that's in the environment that is just out of our control, out of our reach. I think mm-hmm. it makes such an enormous difference. I mean, there is a study that showed that within seven days, 90% of any orally ingested pesticides will have cleared themselves out of your body mm. through a urine analysis uh, study mm-hmm. that was done. So not to, to say that those effects don't linger a bit, but you do have a lot of, um, you should have hope that when you make these changes, mm-hmm 
you're going to get some results immediately. Mm. For some people who are new to the word like hormone disruptors, because I, you know, it's funny because I'm around people who talk about this all the time. So you just think everyone understands what a hormone disruptor is, but people are like, okay, so don't have pesticides, use clean products, sleep on a mattress that is organic. But why, like, why do these toxins in the environment and in our products, what do they do to our hormones? And what are the symptoms we have because the hormones are being disrupted? So these are often referred to, these chemicals are often referred to as xenoestrogens. That's with an X, Mm -hmm. X X-E-N-O, and then the word estrogen. So these xenoestrogens mimic estrogen in the body. And that will mean not just elevating, let's say, serum levels of estrogen, but also, um, you know, remember like cell biology from junior high, right? The estrogen, there are specific receptor sites on your cells for estrogen. And these xenoestrogens will bind to these receptor sites and create a little bit of chaos because they're not identical to your estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. So it just changes the functioning of your endocrine system as a whole. And that can, especially when we have elevated levels of estrogen can be really problematic, right? It can cause the growth of things that shouldn't grow, whether that be a fibroid or a cyst. Um, It can cause heavy bleeding. It can cause um, more significant PMS, Um, you know, any sort of elevated estrogen. Of course, there's risk of cancers in your family. That is something to be concerned about as well. So it's, it's not great. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there are short and long-term risks for these, you know, xenoestrogens. You know, so many women also, you know, are on a pregnancy journey and, you know, want to have children, but so many of them have infertility. So, how much of that is controlled by hormones and like what are some of the other factors and what can women do as it relates to their hormones to help their fertility? Mm-hmm. So fertility is both a hormonal and a micronutrient, um, you know, rich situation. Meaning if you want to, if you want to optimize your fertile factors, you've got to support your hormones and you've got to really be, you know, flush with all of these key micronutrients that your body needs to perform its basic functionings. And what do I mean specifically by that? For example, 93% of all infertility has a common denominator of vitamin D3 deficiency. I know. What's up? Wow. Yes. That's what they that, said to me that miscarriages. Yeah. Yeah. And then you talk about the fact that most women are not just depleted in that one micronutrient, but so many. So that means we're reducing your fertile factors in direct proportion to how depleted you are from a micronutrient standpoint. And prenatals, although can be wonderful, don't often get you to where you need to be Mm -hmm. from a nutrient point of view. You have to factor in what has happened in your self-care journey that may have put you in the red, let's say, mm-hmm. from a, you know, if we're looking at your micronutrients like a bank account, right? Or a checking account, um, you might be in the red. And what, mm-hmm. what would have caused that? Do you have a history of eating disorders, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a history of extreme dieting? Have you been on synthetic birth control? And if so, for how long? Mm-hmm. Because that massively depletes your body of micronutrients that you need to have healthy hormonal balance. Do you have a pre-existing and uncorrected hormonal problem, menstrual problem like PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, all of which implicate uh, your hormonal imbalance in them? Um, 
Do you drink a lot of caffeine, alcohol, use substances? Again, all of these things deplete the body of micronutrients, disrupt hormone balance, and that will um, diminish fertile factors by disrupting ovulation, mm-hmm. uh, decreasing progesterone production, and really those two things alone will make you less fertile because if you're not ovulating and you don't have enough progesterone, you're, you're not going to have an egg to fertilize and you won't be able to hold on to that with adequate levels of progesterone if the ed- embryo, if the egg were to get fertilized, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, that seems a little scary, but at the same time, the good news is every single one of those things I just listed, mm-hmm. those are lifestyle issues, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you have a tubal blockage, right? That needs some sort of medical intervention, which some women do, and they have to have a medical intervention to correct that. These other things are things that you have been doing unknowingly to yourself Mm. for years and years and not realizing that they were going to have any impact on your fertility. But, you know, once you get more information that those things potentially have or are causing that depletion, you can get into correct action, start doing things taking supplements, cutting out the caffeine and alcohol, getting your hormones back on track. I mean, that's what Flow Living is here for, right? Mm-hmm. If you're having any hormonal issues you need addressing, <clears throat> come to Flow Living. It's all virtual. And put yourself on a path where you have the opportunity to boost your hormonal balance. And if you're trying to conceive, you know, really prepare your body for that. It frustrates me because we don't put a lot of attention or time or money into that. We're just putting a lot of time, energy, and money into like IVF, you know, which again is wonderful that there is IVF, but imagine how many people probably didn't have to go down the IVF journey and down the IVF road if they knew how to truly replenish their body with what you said, like the micronutrients and the things that they are depleted in that could have helped them. Like for me, I didn't have to do, um, uh, IVF, but I had so many miscarriages that I went and saw someone like you who really bolstered my body with like the vitamin D's and the B's, but the, the folate's not uh, just a, just not a, a multivitamin that I found in the store. We really figured out what I was depleted in and it really helped me grow a very healthy baby. Um, so I was just lucky that I had that information and that's why it's so important to me and to Roxy and our podcast is to get this information out to people because I'm sure that the listeners, they didn't even, some of them didn't even know this information. Um, so can you also talk about the four phases of a woman's cycle? Cause this is something that I learned a couple years ago when I read your book and I have the app um, it, my flow. Um, but it has the four different, uh, phases of a woman's cycle. There's a menstrual phase there's a follicle phase, which I don't do very well on interest. I would like to know why the ovulation where I get kind of testy right in the middle. Um, and then the luteal, which I do wonderfully on, which is strange because luteal is, you know, just before your period, which is when a lot of PMS happens. Can you explain those four phases and also how they relate to exercise, food, creativity, and why the hell I am horrible when I <laughs> which is not sexy you ovulate because you're like oh i want to have sex my husband does not want to have sex with me when i ovulate because i'm very mean <laughs> yeah it was almost like you're having a period too you get cramps and everything when you ovulate it's right like now i'm ovulating i just want to like hit a wall like, i get very aggressive when i ovulate i don't know interesting, interesting. Yeah. my my i have so i if we were in a session i would ask you a bazillion questions but we're not so i won't but, you can still yeah. ask <laughs> and I bazillion questions i can tell you everything i ate what I did, what I saw. (laughs) 
So we're now talking about what's in my new book, In the Flow. And um, one of the things that I, you know, wanted to understand was why is it that so many women are struggling with their hormonal issues? Really, what what is going on? Because both men and women are equally exposed to endocrine disruptive chemicals. We all have stress. We all have micronutrient depletion. Why is it that so many more women, and now we have statistics that it's about 50% of women are struggling with hormonal problems. And I think that's a low ball number, frankly. Um, you know, why are so many more women struggling compared to men if we keep everything else equal? And I went digging and the, the, there are two things that I found, but I'll focus on the one. And one of the things that I found was that we have been overlooking a key biological rhythm that we have called the infradian rhythm, I-N-F-R-A-D-I-A-N. This infradian rhythm, you experience it over the course of your cycle. Now, it has these four phases. I just want to make a little quick comparison to the circadian rhythm. You all know the circadian rhythm, right? You experience it in the course of 24 mm-hmm. hours. We used to think, you know, a while back when we first discovered the, the circadian rhythm, that it just governed the sleep-wake cycle. Mm-hmm. In all the research that's been done since its discovery, we know it governs like when your bowels are more active, when they're less active, when your blood pressure is higher, when it's less, you know, elevated, and so many more specific timings around activity of different bodily functions. Similarly, the infradian rhythm, it would be too simplistic to say that it just governs when you ovulate and when you have your bleed. It governs six key systems of your body. It affects your brain. In fact, your brain changes. This was discovered in 1996 by Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University. She discovered that your brain changes up to 25% over the course of the month. Mm. Okay, you, you think, create, produce differently throughout this as a result of this infradian rhythmic effect. It affects your metabolism, which I'll dive into a little bit more. It affects your microbiome, your stress response system, your immune system, and your reproductive system, including periods, fertility, and sex drive, right? So this biological rhythm, the infradian rhythm that women have from their first period to their very last is so important for us to know because as we have overlooked it, we have kind of um, cut ourselves off at the knees of being optimally healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And all of this biohacking conversation that really just amplifies like the circadian rhythm only viewpoint, which by the way, mimics the male 24 hour hormonal pattern pretty closely. Guess what? It's making men really, really healthy, but it's disrupting your infradian rhythm, right? So let's break down this infradian because that the, dis, the degree of the disruption to your infradian rhythm is, the, is absolutely the degree to which you're having period issues, fertility issues, sex drive issues, mental focus issues, immune issues, metabolic issues. It's all connected through this biological rhythm. And, you know, this, I'm very proud that In the Flow is the first book to talk about the infradian rhythm yet. Um, so, so we have these four phases as Tamman mentioned, the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal and the menstrual. Each of these four phases has a specific hormonal ratio of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, follicular stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, right? And there's charts in the book that show you exactly what is happening when. What I would love to talk about is let's talk about the metabolic effect so you understand what's happening to your metabolism. Let's talk about stress response 
right? We could, t- if we have time, we can talk about sex response and we can even talk about, because I guarantee you, I mean, just because the statistics show 65% of women are sexually unsatisfied because you do not know about the infradian rhythmic effect on your libido. So let's, let's do those three. We'll, we'll, there's a whole brain piece and a time management piece, but let's at least start with these three because they're so, so useful and give you the big bang for the buck. Um, so you have been conditioned to believe because the other thing that I found was that women are being left out of medical fitness and nutrition research, right? And what that means is that there is this big assumption and the assumption is, oh, well, we're not researching women, but let's just assume that they're smaller versions of men with a slower metabolism. So whatever's good for the guys should work for the women. We know for certain, whatever we just researched on the male subjects is definitely optimizing their biology and getting these clear results. But let's just share that with everybody. And the women can, you know, pick up these crumbs of our research that again was done on men and hopefully it'll help them too. That is what has been happening to us for decades. Okay. It's totally institutionalized gender bias in research. It needs to be called out and it needs to be uh, addressed. Um, in far, as far as the medical community is concerned, they have been aware of it. As of 1996, they put out a special, you know, call to researchers to say, please include women in human, human clinical trials, because we know how detrimental not having that actual data is because making assumptions is, is dangerous, right? So, but fitness and nutrition research, it hasn't really caught up there yet. And I think we can do better. It's, you know, 20, it's two, it's 2020. It's the 20. What year is it? We've got to upgrade. It's time for something, something, uh, better. So when I looked at that, I just said, okay, no wonder we're all feeling frustrated, right? Like the, here's the, like the classic story, Jack and Jill are both overweight and they start a diet and fitness plan together. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, there's been commercials like this, mm-hmm. that's about right. After 30 days, Jack looks like a Greek God mm-hmm. and Jill <laughs> is still fat and frustrated. Right. Something's wrong with Jill. Poor Jill. She's a woman. She has complicated hormones. Um, she has a slower metabolism. She just needs to work harder. harder. Mm-hmm. And you, because you've been deprived of real, scientifically accurate information about your biology, you believe that. So what is that? How does that translate? You restrict calories every mm-hmm. single day. You think you should eat less all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you work out too intensively all the time. Mm-hmm. And you do this, you try to be the same every day, which by the way, if you're on a male 24 hour hormonal biological rhythm, yes, you want to do the same thing every day at the same time. But if you have an infradian rhythm, which is cyclical, doing the same thing makes you sick. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing every day gives you symptoms. So what does it look like? What is actually happening? Let's look at the metabolic piece. In the first half of the cycle, the follicular and ovulatory phases, your metabolism is slower. Hmm. You can have fewer calories and it will be effortless. You can eat lighter juices, salads, lighter foods, steamed things, Mm -hmm. and you'll feel great. As soon as you finish with ovulation in the second half and you go into that luteal phase, right, your metabolism speeds up. And research has shown you need precisely 279 more calories Mm. per day. Mm. If you don't eat the 279 calories in, you know, as, as needed, you will get massive cravings 
And then because of your neurotransmitters, ghrelin specifically, instead of reaching for like a sweet potato, right, with some coconut oil on it, because mm-hmm. that's what you should have had for breakfast, right? At night, by the time you're starving and your metabolism has crashed and your blood sugar is in the toilet, you're going to wake up after having zombied yourself through a sleeve of Oreos or a bag of chips or whatever it is, right? And, and you're like, oh, wait, where'd that whole bag go? Where'd that mm-hmm. whole sleeve go? So there's that. But the other thing that's happening is when we don't eat enough in the second half, we disrupt our blood sugar so profoundly, which by the way, disrupts ovulation for the next cycle. So if you're yeah. trying to conceive, this is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And because of this disrupted blood sugar, extra cortisol will be recruited to try to keep things stable because extra cortisol will talk to your fat cells, have your fat cells convert stored fat into usable blood glucose. Mm-hmm. And now we have more cortisol, more blood sugar, and that decreases the amount of progesterone that you'll make this cycle and next. And it becomes very quickly this vicious cycle where month over month, you're making this problem worse, disrupting Mm -hmm. your hormones and cycle more, decreasing your fertility more, creating more PMS symptoms week, month over month over month. So not appreciating that the infradian rhythm has this dynamic impact on your metabolism, that you are not the same metabolically every day and not eating the way that you're supposed to from a calorie point of view really messes you up. So that's the bad news. The good news is now you know what the changes are Mm -hmm. and you're just going to eat the right amount of calories at the right time. And the app, MyFlow, will remind you where you are once you know when to eat those more calories, right? There's a a layer with the food where you can start to use food strategically to help with estrogen detox. So for example, tamen, since you're someone who's struggling with mid-cycle issues, right? To me, that's a sign. I get also very, please tell me what this is. I get very paranoid when I'm ovulating. It is the strangest thing. I, like in my, every time I ovulate, I have these wacky dreams for two, night, two days and then everything goes back to normal. I get very, very paranoid. Is that, is that the Can weirdest thing you heard or is that, is that something? No, I mean, I think, listen, estrogen is a really powerful hormone. It has pretty profound effects on mm-hmm. our brain chemistry. Uh, normal amounts of estrogen, right? And this is what I was going to say to you a minute ago, which was you can use food strategically because Mm -hmm. it seems like you're having some elevated estrogen that you're struggling to metabolize quickly during ovulation because you're having a little hyperstimulation of of things in your brain chemistry you're having cramping, which is called middle schmerz, and that's mid-cycle pain due to ovulation, mm-hmm. right? So that to me is just a, a symptom of some mm-hmm. excess estrogen. So in the flow, we'll just, there's a food chart in chapter four that shows you which specific foods in each of the phases can help you break that estrogen down a little bit more quickly to help your liver, your large intestine, process it, flush it out of your system right? Is and the reason why, why you feel so good in the luteal phase... Yeah, is that why? Because it's lower estrogen. No, no. Actually, okay. you have a second rise. So ovulation mm. is a, is the peak surge. You have a okay. super surge of estrogen during ovulation, but you also have follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone as well. You have a rise of estrogen in the first half of the luteal phase. But what's different about the luteal phase, what's unique about it compared to the other three phases, is that this is the only phase in which you have access to progesterone. 
progesterone, when it is in adequate levels in your bloodstream, I mean, your brain has this calming. Oh, I'm wonderful for 10 days. (laughs) It's great. It's my favorite phase. It's ironically though, the phase that most women feel is their worst phase. And it's their worst Mm. phase because they have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone. And why might that happen to them? Well, because they're eating and exercising and in ways that disrupt the incradian rhythm, which will then deplete that progesterone and luteal phase. And of course they're micronutrient depleted. So we talked about the metabolic shift. Let's talk about the stress response shift because it kind of loops back to that PMS situation. So in the first half of the cycle, follicular and ovulatory, you have lower resting levels of cortisol. In the second half, once you cross over into the luteal phase, you have slightly elevated resting levels of cortisol, right? This can give you energy to get more things done while you have all that progesterone making you calm and focused, right? The problem is if you do the wrong workout intensity and you're not modulating your caloric intake, you can create like a hormonal disaster for yourself and you don't feel calm, focused, and productive, right? You feel terrible. So what do you need to do? In the first half, you're going to do all your high-intensity interval training, your cardio, dance your pants off, have a great time, right? Soon as you cross over to the luteal phase, then you must not do HIIT workouts and cardio. You must do mm-hmm. strength training mm. of all sorts without a cardio component. So that could be Pilates. That could be lifting heavy weights slowly and steadily, right? That could be holding planks and holding squats up against the wall so your legs fall down, shaky, 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 right? All of that kind of stuff. But no cardio. If you do the cardio in the luteal phase, guess what happens? They've researched this. You turn on fat storage and you turn on muscle wasting. So let's go back to that example of Jack (laughs) and Jill, right? Mm -hmm. All the research that says eat the same calorie level every day, front load calories in the morning, less at night, workout first thing in the morning, less at night. All of this optimizes male hormonal biochemistry metabolism, testosterone, lean muscle gain, fat utilization, all of that. When Jill does, so when Jack does it for 30 days, he gets a six pack, he loses weight, it feels great, it feels like a new man. When Jill applies the same thing, because she is eating the same calories and then she's doing that same high intensity workout every single day for 30 days, she makes progress for the first two weeks. She'll gain some lean muscle. She'll lose some fat or use stored fat as fuel. And then as soon as she's in the luteal phase, if she keeps eating the low calorie level and doing the high intensity workouts, she will undo all the progress that she's made. So if any of you have ever been scratching your head thinking, gee, I don't, I don't think I could be more dedicated or committed, or I know I'm counting the calories the right way. And why is it at the end of every month, I feel like I've made no progress. You are not crazy. You are not imagining that you have just been trying to uh, do self-care with food and fitness in a way that optimizes male biology and disrupts female biology right? And so you've got to change what you're eating and change the workout intensity to protect that infrading rhythm. I mean, keep in mind, I used to be obese. I used to be 210 pounds. I have maintained a 50 pound weight loss for 20 years and I gained 50 pounds during my pregnancy, was able to get that right off. Again, 
using this methodology. And it's not just me and all the women who are cycle thinking all over the world. The U.S. women's soccer team is using this methodology to train their female athletes because you cannot ignore scientific facts. It's illogical. Why would you do that training of, in, of an intense workout at the wrong time in your cycle when it's going to cause you to, you know, weaken your lean muscle and turn on fat storage? It just, it's illogical. And by the way, men also know all about how their biology works and they do what's right at the right time to get the most result with the least amount of effort. And that is what I want for women by having them understand this whole infradian effect. And, we, you know, that's at least the food and fitness mm -hmm. piece on metabolism and stress. So with this infradian rhythm, um, because I know I've suffered from it, is that I have insomnia a lot. And I feel like it's just gotten worse for me. You know, I guess it's each passing year. Also, you know, post baby, like all of it. So how much of insomnia, how much can you blame that on your cycle? Like what, what, what are, you know, what is the effect? So insomnia is caused by many factors, right? Mm -hmm. Um, can be magnesium <laughs> depletion, uh, can be, um, the cortisol, your adrenal dysfunction, right? Again, mm -hmm. which could be caused by decades of disrupting your infradian rhythm without realizing it, right? If you have PMS that's been unaddressed, mm -hmm. we know you have insufficient progesterone, not enough progesterone is going to, you probably notice, or if mm -hmm. you are tracking, you'll notice that your insomnia is worse the days leading up to your cycle beginning, your bleed mm -hmm. starting, because that's when your progesterone is the lowest. Mm -hmm. So, there are many, many factors. And then perimenopause, mm -hmm. as your body down-regulates, makes less concentrations of hormones, right? That can start to have an effect on sleep. But I really think, because nature is so elegant and efficient, mm -hmm. that if women were educated in their early teen years about the infradian rhythm, like at nine and 10, we're not even talking about your period. We're talking about this biological rhythm, just the same way children are educated about the circadian rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. If you had that knowledge at nine and 10, and you knew that whenever your bleed, your first bleed happened, that that was the signal to you, the biofeedback marker to you, that your infradian clock has become active, then you would know how to change your self-care from that moment forward. And you would not suffer two to three decades before perimenopause, right? So that you would not have all of these symptoms, right? So that's where I, I sort of want to split the hair a little bit because to say, oh, my hormones are causing me insomnia is not a co actually correct thing to say. It's our mismanagement or actually neglect of our infradian rhythm of our hormones for decades, decades before you have these symptoms, you have been disrupting it for a long, long time. That's the real cause of it. So I would like to see a future in which women don't have these symptoms or if they do, they're so easily rectified by adding a little bit of extra nutrient, micronutrients, because you have had that stable base of deeply supporting your hormones at every stage of your life. Like you knew what to do in your twenties and thirties to do self-care properly. So you didn't, uh, extreme diet and overworkout. You 
pr protected and preserved your fertility. Then after you gave birth, you knew exactly how to rebalance your hormones and you did that replenishment postnatally. And then leading up and preparing for perimenopause stage one, you do you increase your self-care and adjust it properly so that when you're really stopping having a regular cycle in stage two of perimenopause, you're symptom-free and then you have your last period and it's a beautiful journey from start to finish. That's what it's supposed to be like. Mm. I know Roxy, I've known Roxy for a while and she's just the life of the, I've never seen her relax. You know, she's just always, she's just so amazing. Like I can't do what she does. Like she travels and she works and she's always like the one who's at the event. And I, I think maybe as her friend, it's like as much as she puts into that, she also has to take care of herself when it comes to like the rest and relaxation and you know, all that, well, because I know that, you know, that that's a part that like I want for her. I want her to like also go, you know, I deserve to get a massage. I deserve a day off. I deserve to like put the kid with the, with the, with the husband and take care of myself, you know, because you know, I want her around for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's hard though. It is hard to slow down, but you know, quarantine has sort of, you know, <laughs> so it's not so you got it stopped you. <laughs> I don't stopped know. You. Quarantine, I think, is adding a lot more stress actually to people. But mm. I want to speak to this point that you're bringing up, Tamman, because oftentimes what I think women are feeling in terms of when you add all those, like that was a laundry list massages, slowing down, doing less, right? All good things. The problem is we feel burdened by like, oh, now I have to do more self-care on top of everything right, else I have right. to do, right? And like, there's this like pressure in the wellness conversation of like, mm -hmm. you know, where's your jade roller or your whatever, the quartz roller for your face? And are you doing gua sha massages for yourself? Oh my and gosh, no. Are you, are, you, are you doing vaginal steaming at home? Oh, like, there's such a thing as vaginal steaming. Why so are we not doing things, this, right? Roxy? Like, we can do this on <laughs> girls' night. I know we can vaginal steam. There's like an egg you can hey, put. Hey, girls' night. <laughs> right. I mean, there's like all this stuff, right? And the reality is the, I, the pressure that comes from thinking that on top of managing your normal everyday mm -hmm. to-do list, that you also somehow, in order to be a good wellness woman, that you have to add all these extraordinary procedures into your life, right? Again, is it can feel like more stress. And I have a beautiful solution for this. It's called the cycle sinking method. And, and so we talked about the food and the fitness piece, but we didn't talk about this time management piece. As I mentioned earlier, your brain changes by up to 25% over the course of the month. You are a slightly different version of yourself, each of these four phases in beautiful, creative, energy-based ways, right? So in the follicular phase, you're very um, curious and uh, like you, you can make a list and project plan out your month. And that's really fun for you to like think about something over the course of time. In your, in your ovulatory phase, that surge of estrogen that we talked about before, it hyperstimulates the verbal and social centers of your brain. So this is when you want to be out, you want to be talking, you want to be presenting ideas, whatever version, whatever you do with your verbal and social skills that lights you up. Then in the luteal phase, because of that progesterone, right, you have this common focus to like 
get things done. But in order for you to have to use that and get things done, what do you have to do on the backside of that, right? You have to say no to things, right? So if Roxy's issue, as you are observing it as her dear friend, is that she is overextending herself potentially, right? If I were to just sort of, you know, paraphrase, right? Doing too many things all the time. If she were to start cycle syncing her project map over the course of the month in alignment with these cognitive shifts, and she set up the boundaries like, okay, during this 10-day period during my luteal phase when I could do all my deep work, I'm not going to go to the networking event. I'm not going to take all these meetings. I'm going to save those and push them to the times in my cycle where that's easiest for me and creates the least amount of stress in my body. This kind of deep alignment with our biology, in my opinion, is the most effective form of self-care that you can take on. Massages are great. Yoni eggs are great. Whatever you want to do with your crystals and everything else is great. As long as it doesn't feel like a chore, as long as it doesn't add stress. But if you want to really deeply get rid of stress in your life, you've got to start aligning with doing things at the right time for you and your Mm -hmm. biology. And again, let's just look at what the men do. Corporate culture is completely organized around male hormonal biological rhythms. So they have a lot of meetings early on in the day and they do as much deep work as they can early on in the day. Then around, and these meetings are working meetings where they're working on things. Then around two o'clock, three o'clock, when serum levels of testosterone and cortisol are dropping, what do men do in corporate culture? They shift to networking, happy hour, wrapping up the day, right? The entirety of corporate culture is allowing for men to be in alignment with their cognitive strengths energy levels and ability to focus and or and and sort of keep separate when they're going to be doing their socializing and all these other social obligations we as women however because we have not been told about our infradian rhythm and we just try to squeeze ourselves into this circadian lifestyle we just say yes to everything any time of the day all the time and we just hope that we can squeeze in what we need whenever we have time and guess what it's doing to all of us it's burning Mm -hmm. us out it's making Mm -hmm. us stressed it's disrupting our hormones it's decreasing our fertility it's shutting off our sex drive it's making us age prematurely from a hormonal point of view and it is all something that we could stop if we just embraced our infradian nature and not feel guilty too. You know, why would you feel like, guilty about your biology? It's just no. You're right. No, you're right. No, about you know what it is. It's you like would feel guilty if you didn't know about it. You'd say, Gee, but like I not going to the events. I think she means not. Yes, yes yeah, exactly, like, exactly. It's like not like like I could. And I think too, when you're an entrepreneur, like you always feel like you could be working, right? Like when it's your yeah, brand or your I business company. I write books. I have a kid. I do podcasts. Yeah. I am an entrepreneur like you. And what right. I'm saying is, I would definitely. Definitely not be able to be this productive if mm-hmm. I did not leverage my infradian rhythm to the hilt. I would be long since burnt out by now. 
I hope yeah, Roxy hard. and my cycle yeah. sync because yeah. what if she's on her period <laughs> and I'm ovulating? We'll be like, we'll never that's get a awesome. podcast done. No, that's, actually, that's perfect. You don't need to be all of our, you know, we have so many women on the flow living team. We're never on the same cycle. Yeah. It's not something you have to discuss with your coworkers. In fact, I go into corporations. I was just at a fantastic corporation, very progressive, very inclusive company in New York, a tech company. And, um, we were talking about how do we make the corporate environment more inclusive for the female biological rhythm? Because right now it's exclusively circadian in orientation. What would that look like? And so I always say this, listen, listen, everybody, you know, guys do not walk around and say, Hey, I'm in my testosterone surge. I need to do this, or I can't have this meeting now because I got to go in the man cave. Like they don't make any announcements. They just are understanding what's happening in their biology. Mm -hmm. They personally manage their project map so that they can work optimally. Mm. And then they bring those talents whenever they're interacting with other people. That's exactly what you want to do, except with your infradian rhythm, right? So you don't need to know if your coworker is bleeding or ovulating, whatever. Let's say we're in, I'll give an example of our team meeting, right? I always plan team meetings when I'm in my follicular phase because that's when I like to do project planning. And I bank on the fact that the rest of my team is not in their follicular phase mm -hmm. because if they were, we would be in trouble, right? And here's why. Mm -hmm. In my mm -hmm. follicular phase, if, especially if we're doing strategy planning for let's say a quarter, I'm like, okay, because I want to do so much to help women. I'm like, let's do the following 20 projects. And hopefully there will be people on my team who are in the luteal phase, the menstrual phase, right? Who are going to be more evaluating and, and, and negotiating, like how much time is this going to really take? And, da, da, and to push back in that conversation and say, Alisa, all these ideas are great, but we can't do all 20 in this quarter. These are the two that I think would be the most important to focus on now. And here's why, da, da, da. I don't know where they are in their cycle. I don't need to know, but they know, and they're bringing that gift, that cognitive gift to that conversation, to that interaction. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. So we don't have to think. In fact, it's not advantageous for all of us to be in the same place at the same time. The diversity is what mm -hmm. creates more successful outcomes in a team. And that's also including diverse biological rhythms, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we can all, we can all start to expand our understanding of what, how this could change the, the nature of work for ourselves personally, but also in our working relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, Roxy, you just got to start loving your luteal phase. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna like... Saying no to things <laughs> and like really seeing yeah. month over month, the thing that you fear happening, which is that somehow you'll be out of the loop, the FOMO right. or whatever it will hurt your business, that that doesn't actually happen. It's just about strategizing and doing it differently, right? It's well, not you're like you're, yeah. yeah, you're not going to stop doing right. socializing. You're just not going to do it during the luteal phase. You're going to mm -hmm. do most of it in the follicular and ovulatory phases. And in the luteal phase, you're going to do all your deep work. You know, all the hard work you have to do as an entrepreneur to like bring yes. things to fruition, create the reports, do the operational stuff, do the finances, whatever it is mm -hmm. you're doing, write the marketing campaigns, build the advertising. I don't know, whatever your job entails, right? right. You're going to do hours and hours of that for like a week and a half. Do you know how much you would get done if you did 10 solid business days of deep work 
you your whole career would change within a quarter because you'd be so much more productive mm-hmm. in a more efficient fashion. When you spread yourself too thin right. and you have a meeting in the morning, but then you try to squeeze in like a writing session, like in between that and then a lunch meeting, that writing session is garbage. Yeah. Well, not to mention the kids too, having our kids, right? It's like, you're so spread then all the time, I feel like, right? When are you the most creative? Mm Because you said create, you said writing, but when are you, because Roxy and I work in creative fields. Mm -hmm. So when is the best phase for being the most creative? You're creative in every phase. It's okay. So just a different type of creative. Just a slightly different type. Like for Mm -hmm. example, you might in your follicular phase, let's say you're writing a book, you might map out and play with different versions of chapter outlines or a story outline or research for a piece, right? Mm -hmm. In the ovulatory phase, you might talk to experts or talk to people that you need for that piece of work, right? Mm -hmm. And then the luteal phase, you finish writing and you edit it. And then in the menstrual phase, you Having taken a step back from it, you look at it again, you read it again, and you evaluate it from a different brain point of view because you're having different hemispheric communication at that phase, right? So the whole month is an opportunity to work on this project mm-hmm. because a project requires all of these different parts, right, of your creative mm-hmm. input to bring it to completion. It's not just the doing, it's all the parts that come before and after that make a project successful and complete. Um, so there's that. And then with the motherhood piece, I, I mean, there's so many just ongoing, I mean, I find the grind of like ordering clothes online and getting supplies. It's like never ending shopping online. I'm like, I don't want to do this. It almost feels like impossible. Sometimes you're just like, Oh my God, like that on top of right. There's so much to do. So what I have found is mm-hmm. that cycle syncing my motherhood to do's okay. helps me a lot because if I don't, what I find is that my, I'll start hearing my daughter complain to me. That's how I know I might've fallen off the cycle syncing <laughs> method with, as a mom, she'll be like, Hey mom, can you play with me? You're always in front of the computer. You know, can you, that the, like, I'll hear that. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening? What phase am I in? What am I doing? Right. If I, for example, um, am ordering clothes for her online in my ovulatory phase, I'm, and, and instead of playing with her when I have the most energy to mm-hmm. do that kind of kid play where it's more mm-hmm. natural for me and I don't take advantage of that, I like stop. I'm like, this can wait. She's not going to outgrow her clothes. Even if they're slightly too small, the weather's not going to change. I will just reschedule this action of shopping for her clothes till my luteal phase. I'm just going to move it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get up and go play with her right now. Right. So it helps a lot to, um, batch the tasks. So that way throughout the month, she feels, even though I can't, you know, always be with her the way she would like as a six-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. All kids feel like their parents never play with them enough, right? If I batch our project, like follicular phase, it's like craft city. I'm like, what new thing do you want to do? Let's build something. Let's do something. I'm not always in the mood to do that. So let's do when I'm in the mood. Mm -hmm. Ovulatory phase, pre-COVID, let's go see people. Let's go to a museum. Let's go out. Let's do stuff. Cause that's when I'm in the mood to do it. I have the energy to do it. Happy mommy, happy kids. It's all connected. 
Then in the luteal phase, okay, let me just go through the mom grunt list of does she need any supplies, clothes, any paperwork, any appointments I need to schedule. Let me just bang those out this week. Mm -hmm. And then in the menstrual phase, I'll just model for her some like quiet time. Like let's sit together Mm -hmm. on the couch. You read your book. I'm going to read mine. Or let's, let's just go take a nap or let's just do something relaxing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I batch the types of activities based on my cycle. So she gets a robust experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am happy, calm, and enjoying all the things we're doing. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel burnt out on all the motherhood to-dos. So Mm -hmm. that's another way cycle syncing can really help you. There's a mother chart, motherhood chart in -hmm. chapter nine of the book um, that really breaks out all of these tasks. It's a game changer when you start to batch the timing of what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, I know sometimes life happens. There Mm -hmm. are deadlines at work. There's a crisis at school. This is not about doing this 100% of the time. It's not. Mm -hmm. And guys don't do that either. I'm not asking us to do it in in any Mm -hmm. event. But if you could, just imagine if you did, because right now you're doing it 0%, right? Because you've never heard about the infringement. Imagine if you did this just 50% of the time, mm-hmm. even 25% of the time, if from a project point of view, you gotta, there's no negotiation on the food and the fitness thing. You got to do that correctly every day. Mm-hmm. But if you just project batched mm-hmm. your projects in that infrating way, like a quarter of the time, mm-hmm. half of the time, you, your whole experience of stress and exhaustion, it would just transform pretty quickly. It's worth the experiment mm-hmm. for three months to see what, how you feel about it after that. Most women never want to go back to the other way, but I'm always open for the possibility that they're like, no, I don't, you know. Game on, Tamman. <laughs> what about, and I, Roxy and I should talk about this, because what about before we leave, like, sex drive? I mean, I, you know, it's interesting because since... I don't know when it started about seven months ago, I started writing down every single day. This is so weird, but like how I felt, what I was craving, what my sex drive was. Cause I've always had a really elevated sex drive. It goes in, in ebbs and flows, but I, I would say I have a healthy sex drive, but on day 11, I noticed every day 11, if I have sex on that day, I have the best orgasm I've ever had. And that orgasm doesn't happen two days later. It doesn't happen four days later. And it's interesting. I'm so glad we're starting to talk about like sex and orgasms. And like, I just find it really interesting. And I feel, I feel bad for my husband. Cause I'm like, it's day 11. Um, <laughs> but like, it's always on day 11. So no something's pressure. happening. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. I, need this. <laughs> um, I find it like super easy to orgasm. It's like not a yeah. chore. It's like, su- it's like wonderful. It's sexy, but it's not my ovulation. Ovulation's around 14, 15 days for me. So like that, it's that, um, it's not true sometimes when you feel the sexiest. I don't know what it is, but there's something that happens on day 11. So maybe you can talk us through, I mean, Roxy, you should talk about maybe what's going on with you and your sex drive, mm-hmm. but like what, what is happening when it comes to hormones too? Roxy? Yes, Roxy, no, let me know. Do you have a day eleven? Roxy, do you have a day eleven? So I have. You know, for for me, I feel like my sex drive really kicks in when I'm ovulating, and like this is going to sound kind of I don't know, a little maybe it's like a little too gross, but like when that sort of discharge comes out a little bit, like yeah. even are you? I know. 
Ready? Let, oh me, give you a, let me give you a name so you don't oh have to God. be feeling. He's like, don't say the word. The no, word. No. It's like egg whites. <laughs> I think we would feel a lot less shame as women if we had accurate vocabulary. You don't know what to call it. Yeah. So you feel right. awkward and uncomfortable, and then you feel embarrassed because you don't know what to call it. Right? Again, not having enough education is so disempowering. That was a great example of your moment of disempowerment because you don't know to call that cervical mucus. Ah, okay. So it's not egg whites. <laughs> it, it should be the consistency of uncooked, nice and stretchy egg whites. Yes, yes. Some people, when they say egg whites, are like, egg whites? Yes, not like, what? Egg whites, yeah. Not poached, not fried, not poached, just not uncooked. Right, right, right. So, and what that cervical fluid is representative of is the fact that you have ovulated. And in a healthy way, right? So that's a good mm. that's a good physical biomarker of ovulation. You only get that raw, stretchy egg white at ovulation. Okay. The type of discharge that you have in luteal phase is not cervical fluid. It's a different kind of uh, vaginal discharge. It's also completely normal. Mm. Anyway, it's just important that we have the right name so we don't feel ashamed and awkward and we feel empowered and we know why we're getting that at that time. So you've ovulated that that's why and anybody who's trying to conceive would know. All right. So I've got when you guys are, are vibing now, Tamman, are you tracking your basal body temperature? No, I, I do know the two to three days where I feel warmer. Um, so, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually getting a th- thermometer out. The reason why I think that might be interesting for you is because you're having some symptoms that are a little inconsistent and it would be Mm -hmm. really great for you to dial in is day 11 when you're ovulating because it could be right it could be you could be ovulating a little early or that could be a pre-ovulatory surge of testosterone like Mm -hmm. we just it would be interesting for you to dial that in and one of my favorite tools to recommend is the daisy uh basal body temperature tracker D-A-Y-S-Y. Mm-hmm. You stick it in, right before you wake up in the morning, before you get out of your bed. You're still horizontal. You have not really moved much. You take the thing off your nightstand. You stick it in your mouth. It does not go anywhere else. <laughs> no other hole. In your mouth, under your tongue. Yeah. You hold it there for a few seconds. Don't put it in David's hole, Roxy. <laughs> Don't try to taste his temperature. She's so wood. She's so wood. She'd be like, Do Don't worry about, about me. Don't no. worry about me. You, it, it, he'll be like, you don't put and then it, it'll send wirelessly to your to the app to their app in your phone mm. your temperature in that moment and then it presents you with this beautiful monthly chart of your basal body temperature i think that's really a great thing to do when you're having some mysterious symptoms mm. first place to look is what's going on with BBT? Because that will tell us if you're ovulating, it will tell us what's happening in the luteal phase. It gives you so much data to use. It's a key biohacking tool for sure. And it's really important as you go through perimenopause to understand if you're having symptoms, you know, what's going on and are you ovulating? Are you not each Mm -hmm. cycle? Okay. So let's talk about sex. <laughs> That's where we started this conversation. Baby. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about sex. Probably baby. my favorite subject to talk about. Because I love it safe. too. We love it. It's called Women on Top. Remember? On the side or on the bottom. Alessa, yeah. <laughs> totally. So, you know, I'm getting so warm. I'm going to take off my sweat. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So here we go. 
favorite thing to talk about because it's such a place where you can have so much quick wins mm -hmm. um, when it comes to understanding the infradian rhythmic effect on your sex drive, right? Mm. So, okay, let's just state the obvious. Pornography has done us a little bit of a disservice because mm -hmm. we think we should be in the mood at the same level, wet and ready instantly mm -hmm. and you know or climaxing in under 30 seconds mm -hmm. hmm. okay that is sort of like what pornography has put into your mind as what is normal so i just want to state that that is nowhere in your cycle normal mm -hmm. and that if you have been judging your sex drive based on that criteria and you have been telling yourself that something's wrong with your sex drive because you have thought that you needed to be in the mood wet and ready and climaxing quickly. And that's where you've been. That's the standard by which you've been comparing yourself. You probably don't have anything wrong with your sex drive. And I'm going to now give you a tour of your sex drive across mm -hmm. your cycle. And I'm going to also, if we have time, teach you how to optimize your orgasm. Mm -hmm. We have time for that. We didn't have time. time we will make time. We will make, make time. Some time for that. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go get a cup of tea and I will be ready to listen. <laughs> okay. So in the first half, in the, in the follicular phase, right? So what we're going to talk about, no, let's back up first. You have four stages of arousal, right? You have tumescence. Anybody know what that word means? Mm -mm. No. no. It's the female version of e erection. A hard on. It's where your the tissues become engorged with blood and the surface area of the uh, clitoris and the inner labia expand. Mm -hmm. What does expanded surface area mean for you? Well, since you have those 8,000 nerve endings, you want the surface area maximally engorged so that any stimulation you receive creates more pleasurable sensation for you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, what I call a cold approach, right? Never touch the clitoris until tumescence has happened. Don't go down there when <laughs> she's all tight in the bud mm -hmm. and she hasn't been told that anything was about to happen, yeah. right? There's been no foreplay of any kind. Mm -hmm. Do not go do that. Do not even use your vibrator in that way. No, 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 mm -hmm. no, no. Very, very bad, okay? You want to wait, get yourself somehow mentally in the zone, mm. in the sexy zone, have some tumescence happening. Do not go below the belt until you feel tumescence happening. You can feel it. Mm -hmm. okay, it's not as obvious as an erection. Men need to pain. know this too. Like yes. men need to know this as they, as they big time. Yeah. If you're in a yeah, heterosexual it, relationship, right. yes. Because <laughs> they jump the gun so much of the time. <laughs> <you know? laughs> do they, do they, Roxy? Or <laughs> David's like, um, he's like, I need to get down there. And I then you go there. into a shame spiral, right? Because you're like, oh no, in pornos, yeah. I should already be wet and ready, and like this should be feeling good. It's not feeling good. What's wrong with me? Why is this? You know, you see, without knowing the biological realities, that we're so much unnecessary suffering. And again, sixty-five percent of women are sexually unsatisfied. So this is one of the reasons we don't understand how it works. Okay, so we have two essence. Mm -hmm. Then we have the thing you're going to learn a lot about today, the orgasmic plateau. Mm -hmm. Just just hold on. I'll get to it. I, I, I know what that is. <laughs> then, <laughs> you're about to get night. there and then it stops. <laughs> then we have, no, 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 no. Then we have climax. Mm -hmm. And then we have the refractory period. These are the four 
parts to your whole sexual arousal process, okay? Tumescence, orgasmic plateau, um, climax, and the refractory period. So you have those four parts. Then the infradian rhythm has this very specific effect on your sex drive throughout the month. You have two dry phases and two wet phases. Mm. What does that mean? Okay. Mm. That means two weeks out of the month, you don't need lube unless you want to. And two weeks out of the month, you have to have the lube. You don't, have to? Don't pass oh. glow without the lube. You have I to. I didn't know that. But do you only I know you didn't know that. Dry? You only need lube because you're, it's, it's, you're dry or it's a better experience. Meaning, like, I don't know if I've ever yes, gone, oh, I need lube, but you maybe lube I do. I do. No, I do. And you're not enjoying any of the activity okay. because you're dry. You don't have enough tumescence because you can't do stimulation because you're dry, right? Mm, you need yeah. lube. You need the lube. What are the phases? Okay. Follicular phase, <laughs> the menstrual and the follicular phases. Okay. So the week you're bleeding and the week after you're done bleeding, those are your dry phases. Okay. You would think menstruation is not dry. Yeah. Uh, well, because you think it's a liquid coming out of you, right. right? But it's blood. It's not a liquid. It's a special kind of, it's endometrial tissue. So uh -huh. let's think about when you get a cut, mm. right? Let's say you cut somewhere, right? And the blood comes out and you rub the blood. What happens to the blood? Is dry. It's dry, yeah. It's tacky, sticky, dries up. Yeah. Same thing with your menstrual blood. So if you want to have intercourse of any sort with a dildo, with your partner, whatever you're doing, you got to put lube on it because your menstrual mm -hmm. fluid will become very tacky and dry and cause you friction. And friction equals the opposite of pleasure, which is? Pain. pain and discomfort pain. Oh. yes <laughs> and then what happens when we have pain and discomfort we then don't want to do those things anymore we have become avoidant right we don't enjoy ourselves unnecessary right mm -hmm. follicular phase two right sometimes women feel pressure after their period is over because their partner's like okay maybe they're not into having period sex which that's a whole other conversation because if you're why. with them, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, frankly, that should be a prerequisite. Like if you're going to consider, think it's, the, I, it's almost the best during your period. I'm sorry. I think people who don't do it during their period are missing out on something. I, I saw this TikTok last night and there was this joke that this woman's like, yay, I get like a week off of having sex for, cause it's my menstruation. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're missing out on so much. Like there's so many good things that happen in that week. There are, listen, there's great sex to be had every single phase. Nature designed women to, because we have 8,000 nerve endings on our clitoris, you can access that pleasure any day of the week, okay? Men have many fewer nerve endings. And I always joke with, with people that like, you know, like those clicker pens that have like four different colors, yeah. you know, men, men are kind of like a clicker pen. Like sometimes it's peeing, sometimes it's ejaculating. It's a multi-purpose tool, but your clitoris is exclusively <laughs> designed for pleasure. Okay. So we have these two dry phases where you have to have lube to get the party really kicked into high gear. So if you've been, if you think that, oh, you know, I don't really enjoy sex in my follicular phase, like menstrual phase aside, because I know that's sort of a controversial topic for each individual um, or personal for each individual, whether they like to do that then. But in your follicular phase, period's ended, you're not yet ovulating. If that feels kind of like, eh, it's mostly flat, you know, mm -hmm. like if we, if we engage, it's kind of like, eh, it's because you're not using lube and you're not 
giving yourself enough time in these other stages, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Then you have the two wet phases, ovulation Mm -hmm. and the luteal phase. Okay. You're not just wet here because of the cervical fluid and because of the vaginal discharge. You're also having access to testosterone in these two phases. So Mm -hmm. you're, you get to the two, through the tumescent phase faster here. So you're engorged, you're wet. This is what we think we should be all the time. Mm -hmm. But this is just during the ovulatory and luteal phases. So you don't need as much lube, but you still need ample amounts of foreplay to get yourself in the mood, especially if you're stressed and you have kids and you're busy and you're not always mentally in that place where you're ready to make that transition to sexy time, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's not underestimate that. Outside of the clitoris, the largest sex organ for women is between their ears, Mm -hmm. okay? And we have to have some, and it can be as simple in a busy life like, you know, some, sometimes just me and my husband will say, okay, you know, be the morning. And I might be really in the mood in my ovulation phase, but like, it's morning time. I got to do the school thing, the breakfast thing, right. like, work, right? So I'll just be like, hey, how about later tonight? Da, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell him what I want. The whole day, knowing that I have a sex appointment with my husband is longs drawn out foreplay. Then every time we mm-hmm. see each other, it's like, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll see you later. You know, it's a little bit of this like, mm-hmm. you know, foreplay that we kind of just very lightly push on throughout the day and just really mm-hmm. fun once we mm-hmm. finally get to do it, you know? So anyway, that's just another thing that you can do as a woman who is busy is to like really bake it into your conversation and plan mm-hmm. for it. Um, So that's what we do. That's how the sort of those two phases work. Now, in terms of your orgasmic plateau, a foreplay you need, I've I've broken down in the book. There's a, there's a sex flow chapter in chapter Mm -hmm. eight. It really tells you like which types of foreplay to use to help you, how long you need Mm -hmm. to help you really take advantage to optimize your orgasm. But essentially the key, the key is that orgasmic plateau in every phase. Mm -hmm. Most of us rush to climax. And this is why most of us are sexually unsatisfied because we don't know if we're in a dry phase or a wet phase. We're not using lube. We don't give ourselves enough foreplay to have full tumescence. And then we do not, we just skip right over the orgasmic plateau. The orgasmic plateau, I'm going to put it on a scale. Uh, so you're not in thinking about sex is zero. Foreplay is between like a one and a three. Mm-hmm. Are you having foreplay tumescence, right? Orgasmic plateau is between a four and an eight. Mm-hmm. Climax is nine, 10, you're done, mm-hmm. right? Then we have the refractory period. You recover, you can start over. You can start that whole process over. You can do it as many times as you want, okay? That between a four and an eight is critical. It, the more you extend that and you use a technique called the edging technique, mm-hmm. where you stimulate a little bit faster, you get up to a seven or an eight, and then you slow down and you edge back down to a four and you're breathing. Did we stop breathing while I was talking about this? Yeah. That's why I did that because you both. You I'm, both I'm just picturing, like, it's hard not to think about because you're like, oh, you're going to the end. No, I'm like, okay, actually, that time, okay, cool. And I'm like visualizing. Yeah, yeah. It, no, what you both just Visualizing David and Roxy in bed. Like, it's hard not to think about. It's hard to think about, right? <laughs> you both just did something that you do, that really shows just what every woman does when right before, right as we get into these bigger sensations, Mm -hmm. instead of expanding and doing that yoga breathing into your abdomen, you 
freeze. You stop breathing. Think about even when you self-pleasure, you do this without realizing it. You, even when I was talking about it, you did it. I watched you mm-hmm. both stop breathing. That's why I stopped to talk about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A key component of you optimizing biohacking your orgasm is taking deep abdominal breaths during stimulation. Mm. And slowing down, right? So as you're doing this edging process between a four and an eight, you're breathing, you're attuned to yourself, you're slowing down, you go up to an eight, you slow down to a four, to a six, mm. to an eight. You can ex- you can stay in this orgasmic plateau for as long as you want. I recommend at least 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Why? Okay. Because only during this orgasmic plateau can you generate the huge amounts of nitric oxide and oxytocin, which balance your hormones, redu- mm-hmm. like slow down the aging process, protect your brain and your heart, boost your fertility, boost your skin collagen production. I mean, it is literally the fountain of youth and it is cont- like it is triggered chemically by how you stimulate your clitoris. Oh my gosh! Wow, okay. if that's not the quote of the night. I yeah. don't know. What <laughs> I know. Don't don't. But the men do men need to be educated about this, or is this just something that you can know while you're having sex? Or do men need to know? Okay, well, I need ten minutes of foreplay. I need this. Mm-hmm. I need that. I mean, or I mean, I feel like for men, it's a lot to process. Like if I said, "Oh, husband, listen to this podcast," I think it's just a lot of information. For us, we're like, oh, we got it. It's so funny. <laughs> like how, when, yeah. Okay. Right. When, when we were beta testing the MyFlow app, mm-hmm. one of the features is the partner sync feature where mm-hmm. you drop in your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend's email address, and they will get, as you enter each phase of the month, a little hormonal dossier to help them understand what's happening with you hormonally what kinds of things that would be fun to do and suggest to do together and then how to optimize um, your sex life in that phase, right? Every single woman, many women who were in the beta test were really worried about just what you reflected there, Tam, and that, oh, I think they're going to be overwhelmed. They're going to be weirded out. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you want to be part of the beta, we have to test this feature, so you (laughs) got to do it. So they did it. Not only did I get like, voicemails of very interesting natures, but I got like letters that were so emotional in nature from especially male partners of women Mm. offering such extreme gratitude. Like I know how my process works. I knew that there had to be a recipe, (laughs) a formula for success. I want to make my partner feel good. Thank you for giving me the formula so that I can do the thing that I want to do here to make her feel good. Men mm-hmm. like wow. a Fix. plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They want the map. If you think they're going to be weirded out, they're probably not the right no. person for yeah. you. But what yeah. you're going to find instead is that they're going to be like, why didn't you tell me this 10 years ago? Right? Mm-hmm. They want to know. They want to know. And once you tell them, then it's just like, okay, great. Now I can you know, serve her up some pleasure exactly how she needs and wants it. And I can feel really good about that. You know? Yeah. It's like a win-win for both almost. Because you're right, Tannen. It can't just be all on you. If you're single, Mm -hmm. you know, no problems because you can just know this and do this for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. By the way, what happens after the orgasmic plateau, 
you can go into climax anytime you want, then you have to rest and recover. And Mm -hmm. even if you're multiply orgasmic, all that that means is that you just have a little shorter refractory period. And you can just start again faster. But everybody... That's Roxy. Every, That's yes. right. Mine goes down. Mine gets worse and worse. It's like the best one's first and it's like second and third prize. I don't know how to them all to be first prize. Well, you may be not giving yourself enough time in your orgasmic plateau. You may be overstimulating mm-hmm. in that phase. Mm-hmm. If, especially if you're using devices, um, vibrators mm-hmm. are, I would say, the, the thief of the orgasmic plateau phase. If you Mm -hmm. want a good orgasmic plateau phase, you got to use your hand or you got to have a partner use some other things, Mm -hmm. but you cannot use a vibrator because once you hyperstimulate those 8,000 nerve endings, you need a longer refractory period, right? Mm -hmm. So um, less pressure, gentle, take your time, more foreplay, more tumescence so that everything is what it needs to be and lubricant, lubricant, mm-hmm. having adequate lubricant is so critical, right? So, I mean, there's so, we, listen, er, I this know, is the, I just like so mad we have to leave. I'm like, I know, it's like oh, more sex. I feel like I should do like a, a long weekend on just yes. peace because, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's not just because it's going to make you happier in your own self and in your relationship to have the quality orgasms that you're designed to have, but the health benefits, the specifically the hormonal health, the cardioprotective benefits, the neuroprotective benefits. It is, again, if we're talking about the things that move the needle and make a difference in wellness, right? What are we learning today, right? Knowing about this infradian rhythm and to eating and exercising align- in alignment with that is critical. And having quality orgasms predicated on your knowledge of the infradian rhythm, it, these move the needle with your health. These are the th- these are the self care practices women should be doing, not mm-hmm. you know all the other stuff, which is beautiful and fun, but it's not going to move the needle. So sex is a cardio exercise you would recommend for every point of the of your cycle. <laughs> We're getting to it. it. Oh. It's low impact. It's yeah. low impact. Or is it? <laughs> Depends. <laughs> That's where when all the contraptions come down from the ceiling. <laughs> Roxy, what is this swing set over here? <laughs> Let me give you a hint. It's not my daughter's. <laughs> you know, I just um, for the sex question, you know, a lot of people too, and this is like also, I've heard so many different answers about this, but you know, we've always been told that a woman's sex peak is later than a man's as far as like age goes. So has that been established? Because I've heard numbers anywhere from like 35 to late 30s to even 40s. Yeah. So when is a woman's sexual peak or is it individual for each person? You know, the, the, the conventional thinking is that for some reason, a woman's sex drive is peaking later. Mm-hmm. I... I would question that. I would I would like oh. to question that officially okay. because if we are the reason why I feel that that is being said is because it's predicated on this idea that as a woman is less beleaguered, plagued, bogged down by her hormonal fluctuations, once that's behind her and child rearing is behind her and all those hormonal swings are behind her, then she can finally thrive and have this like hot postmenopausal sex drive. That, mm. that to me smells a little funny. Now, 
Is it true that women postmenopausally, if they're healthy, can have a robust sex drive? One million percent. And mm. is that supposed to be what happens for you? Yes. Will that happen for you if you disrupt your infradian rhythm your whole reproductive years? No way, right? So what you hear more of is that women go through perimenopause and they're postmenopausal and they complain of vaginal dryness and low libido and they just are totally not interested at all, right? That's more what you commonly hear. So then it just then, again, like that pornography standard mm -hmm. saying that, oh, you're supposed to have this hot sex drive as you age and then you don't, you know, you just feel bad about yourself. And I think that that's just very insidiously damaging, creates a lot of self-criticism mm -hmm. and a negative, you know, relationship with yourself. Here's what I think. Mm. I think that any human, male or female, if they take care of their biological rhythm and they then they really nurture their hormones with the right diet, supplements, and lifestyle, can have a healthy sex drive throughout their lifespan, including men who, again, that whole thing about, oh, andropause and, you know, mm. after 35, men's testosterone drops. Yes, yes. Everybody's hormones change, but that doesn't mean that you're no longer functional, that you can't enjoy as a man. In fact, one of the things I taught my husband early on, I said, listen, you see it every day in the way that from your own perspective, right? You have to look at your own erection or he doesn't see it every day, but you know, whatever day he sees it. You well, don't know what's happening in your house. Yeah. When you see it. It's like he sees his erection every day. We're like, oh, we, 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 we hate ourselves right now. No, trust me, he's not seeing it every day. Okay, so when you see it, right? Pay attention to the angle of the erection because that's a key mm -hmm. biomarker of your cardiovascular health, right? So what, like what? Tell, Meaning, what is, if it's pointing yeah. up towards your belly button, okay, you are cardiovascularly doing well. Okay. So as soon as it gets to sort of parallel to the floor and dipping, pointing towards the floor, uh -huh. that's actually something that um, primary some good dialed-in primary care physicians of men will ask about to kind of do some early gauging of, you know, heart, heart disease risk, right? So again, even for men, their hormone levels, their um, body parts can be used just like we're suggesting for women to gauge their health. And if they're seeing that angle of their erection changing, they can increase cardiovascular activity and they'll see that angle change. Right. So, so it's so fascinating. You kind of use everything the body is giving you as a gift. It's Science. biofeedback. Mm -hmm. Nothing is nothing in the body is superfluous. This is we don't even understand fully the evolutionary process that brought this all together in this extraordinary way, the human body. Right. Um, everything it does, your bowel movements, the smell of your urine, the smell of your sweat, the tone of your, like the, what's happening on your skin, where you're breaking out, um, your erection, your menstrual cycle, it can all be information for you to start thinking about what do I need to do to take care of myself so I am healthy as optimally as possible. You know, I think it should just be such common knowledge. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten so bogged down with medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Medicines and everything else.
Yeah, I mean, like, nobody. I mean, we could go on to... for another six hours. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't want her to leave. I know. <laughs> it's so long to get her here. Please don't leave. But I think we should. We have to go, guys. <sighs> it's the longest podcast we've had, but we, know. we love you so much. And I, how, like, I know that you have, obviously, you're going to tell us where people can find all, everything about you. But can people do one-on-ones with you? Or are you, are you so in demand that we can't get <laughs> Um, so I occasionally make room in my schedule for one-on-ones, um, but I have an, an extremely talented and trained team of flow coaches Mm -hmm. that do all the one-on-one telehealth coaching that you need. Um, but yeah, I mean, flow living, there's three ways that you can interact with us through our digital therapeutic courses, right? So you if you want to hear me talking for hours and hours, right, you'll have Mm -hmm. me teaching you different steps of the protocol in video modules. And then you get specific homework week by week to help you change your food, you know, over time. If you're having a a period problem, a diagnosed issue, like, you know, you have fibroids, you know, you have PCOS, you know, you have endo, you know, you're struggling with your fertility and you need to do a lot of cleanup work. Monthly flow is our premier digital therapeutic program for that. Mm-hmm. You can always add on one-on-one telehealth coaching to really troubleshoot and ask your personal questions. And then we have the flow balance supplements that really, if you've been on birth control, if you've got postnatal depletion, that's been unaddressed. Mm-hmm. If you really want to protect your fertility, you want to help your hormones stay balanced. This is what I formulated. Your endocrine system needs these micronutrients every single day to function optimally. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate hormonal biohacking kit. And then, yes, we have the app, which is you can download at myflowtracker.com. And it's the circle, not the feather. I don't want to, you know, that's a whole other thing. And then um, <laughs> you can get a whole bunch of like amazing infradian rhythm quick start guides if you go to the book website, which is in the flowbook.com. Um, and if you're, if you listen to this and you're like, Oh, I, you know, I just want to get started living my infradian life, even though you're in a circadian world, join us at the cycle syncing membership.com. It's, we call mm-hmm. it flow 28. Um, you're going to get grocery lists, meal plans, recipes, workout videos, monthly live cute calls with me, video chats with me where we dive deep into living this way and troubleshooting whatever's coming up for you. It's all part of this program. Um, and of course it's, it's $28 a month because your cycle's 28 days, right? So it's like this, it's, it's it's like so easy to do. Um, and you know, we should, I would love to, you know, offer a free month of this to everybody who's listening oh, um, of Flow 28 because mm-hmm. just giving it a try for a month is mm-hmm. pretty game changing. And I, I just want every woman to, ex- to really mm-hmm. start taking care of herself. So we can we'll let everyone code. know that would be yeah, amazing. Yeah. We'll give you guys, we'll give you guys a special code and get you guys all signed up. Thank you so, so much. This has been, it, last time I spoke to you, I didn't eat sugar for like two months and now I'm like, shit, I'm going to have to do that again. Damn it. <laughs> and I know you can eat, I know, I know you can have, I know you can have things in moderation, but you have to clean up, you have to clean up the hormones first before you can have a bit of sugar and the wine and the caffeine and it doesn't affect you. Cause I know you have to clean up the stuff before you can have a little bit of it and um i gotta take the trash out gotta take the trash out it's the kitchen kitchen and the garbage right Uh make sure you're putting good things in and make sure it's coming out
properly. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And you guys can thank find you. us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. Don't forget to what, Roxy? You rate, subscribe, and comment so we can keep bringing you amazing episodes like this. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. And I am Tamin Sarsak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women. on, on.